In the name of Jesus, amen. Hear the words of our gospel lesson again. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. Thus far, the words of our text. Repentance. It sounds so nonchalant, what it says in the gospel lesson. They went out and told people to repent. If only it were that easy, right? In fact, it's hard to tell people they have to repent because to tell people to repent, you have to tell them that they sin. Because of that, repentance has kind of gone by the wayside in our world today. No one knows what it is. No one really talks about it. Very few actually do it. But it's what Jesus tells them to preach. Repent. That's what Jesus sends out the apostles to do, to preach repentance. He sends them out two by two, town by town. They go out. Their sermons sounded exactly like John the Baptist's sermons and exactly like Jesus' sermons. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Those aren't the words of the disciples. Those aren't the words of Pastor Moline or Pastor Poppy. They're the words of Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, right after he's baptized, it says this, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus said. Repent and believe in the gospel. Christ preached that sermon just about everywhere that he went. Repent. And that word of God did its work. The church did its work, preaching repentance. Throughout his entire ministry, that's what Jesus preached. Repent. After his death, resurrection, and ascension, the disciples began to preach. Repent. Mark's gospel ends with these words, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. What preaching did they do? Well, in Acts 2, Peter preached, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Repent. Repent. In our reading from Acts for today, we see the church in Antioch. What are they doing? They're installing pastors, sending them out to go out and preach missionary work. They're not talking about what worship style. They're not talking about how they're going to bring people in. Instead, they're preparing them to preach repentance. As a quick aside, I want to point out who's there mentioned in your text. 
gathered for worship with Paul and Barnabas are these folks, Simeon, who was called Niger, which means black, Lucius of Cyrene, a city in northern Africa, Manaean of King Herod's court, people from all over, all walks of life, gathered together to send pastors out to preach repentance. And that's what they did. The very first sermon that we hear recorded, preached by Paul and Barnabas, guess what it said? You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? That's a really long way to say what? Repent. That's what the church preached in the early days, in the Middle Ages, even at the time of the Reformation. The 95 Theses that kicked off the Reformation begin with these words. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent, He willed that the entire life of believers be one of repentance. Christians are supposed to repent. Even today, when it's such a foreign concept, you need to repent. It's not just the people outside the walls of the church that need to repent. We do also. We need to repent, every last one of us. Well, what do we need to repent of, Pastor? This is important because in our world today you hear all sorts of things. Here's what the scriptures say. You need to repent of real sins, not imaginary made-up ones. I read an article this last week that said we need to repent of the sin of white privilege. Where's that in the Bible? Which of the Ten Commandments? It's not a real sin. It's something invented by man, not by God's Word. Or how about this? You need to repent of toxic masculinity, being a man or being a woman. You need to repent of being in the wrong political party. I remember hearing that from a family member shortly after an election. Those aren't real sins. We can't repent from imaginary sins that make us feel better. We need to deal with the real ones that separate us from God. The ones that lead us to hell. The things that truly, really violate God's Word. We need to repent 
of real sin. What are these real sins? Where do we find them? Well, in God's Word. The Ten Commandments to start with, the great, you shall not. We could summarize them in two ways. Love God. Love your neighbor. We don't do that. We fall short. We fail. That's what we need to repent of. It plays out in this way. We need to repent of our sins against the fifth commandment. The commandment says, you shall not murder, which means we should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor and his body, but help and support him in every physical need. That means it is a sin to kill. It also means it is a sin to hurt, to punch, to hit, to abuse, to shove, to kick, to trip. It's sin. It's sin to kill and to hurt, no matter the social status, the race, the location, or whatever self-justifying remark we want to add on to it. All those are the same sin of murder. And to be clear, it also means that if you fail to help your neighbor in their physical need when you have the opportunity, when they're sick, suffering, hurting, dying, it's the sin of murder. As we've heard the last few weeks, Christ our Lord takes it even a step further and says, if you hate your brother, you have already murdered him in your heart. Even if you call him a name, you've murdered him. So what's that mean? We're a sanctuary full of murderers. A congregation full of murderers. We're people who need to repent because we've broken God's word. How about the Eighth Commandment? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation. That means you shouldn't call people Nazis in a colloquial way or communists in a colloquial way unless they're actually a member of that party. It means you shouldn't use ad hominem attacks. Ad hominem is a fancy way of saying you're wrong because you're a big stinky head. You shouldn't tell lies about politicians just because they're on the opposite side of the aisle of you. 
You shouldn't call people broad, socially provocative names of the type that I can't use here in a sermon in God's holy house. If you use your mouth to hurt someone's reputation, it's sin. And all of us do it. We break the Eighth Commandment. That means we need to repent. And just to drive this home, we also break the Eighth Commandment when we open our ears to listen to other people doing this. That means when we listen to a neighbor lambasting another one without cause, without defending them, we're breaking the Eighth Commandment. When we listen to CNN and Fox News where people are lambasting each other, it's sin. If a politician does it, and we listen, we are called as Christians to defend people, to speak well of them, explaining everything in the kindest possible way. And when we fail, it's sin. And we fail, don't we? And so we need to repent. I could mention the seventh commandment, stealing goods or not using the things God has given to you fairly or for the good of your neighbor, hoarding wealth or burning it down to the ground in downtown. That's sin. And we need to repent and use God's gifts of possessions for good. I could talk about the second commandment, creating new social sins that exist outside of God's Word. That's called false doctrine. That's sin. I could talk about the fourth commandment, despising our earthly rulers let alone police, mother, father, that's sin. The ninth and the tenth, coveting, desiring above all other things what God has given to our neighbors, sin again. Repent. Or the third commandment, valuing our life and our safety more than hearing God's word. Repent. Dear Christian, we need to repent. That's what the church preaches. That's what Christ preached. That's what John the Baptist preached. It's what Peter preached. It's what Paul preached. It's what Barnabas, who we're celebrating tonight, preached. God sends preachers to give you his word so that you might repent. Now, repentance has two parts. First, that we acknowledge that we sin grievously, that we go against God's word, that we've done wrong. 
That's part one. Secondly, that we begin to believe that Jesus has paid for those sins. That he knows our plight. He's rescued us from all those terrible things that we've done wrong. And he has. Jesus has died for sin. All your sin. It's forgiven. Completely. Totally. He took it away from you in the waters of holy baptism. Took it as far from you as the east is from the west. You will never be able to bring it back to yourself unless you despair of Christ. He took your sin, carried it day by day, step by step, to Jerusalem, to Golgotha, where he killed it as he himself died on the cross. When you murdered with hatred, Jesus died for your forgiveness. When you hurt your neighbor's reputation, Jesus died for that also. And now you're forgiven. When you misuse your possessions or covet them or hoard them or love them more than God, Jesus gave up all of his possessions as he hung naked, dying. You are forgiven. The blood of Jesus Christ covers all of your sin. His forgiveness is for you. While you were still yet sinners, Christ died once for all, the godly for the ungodly. Jesus, the holy spotless Lamb of God, takes your sin away. All real sin is forgiven, gone, taken care of. And all imaginary fake sins have been made insignificant in what he has done. So the church goes on in repentance, acknowledging that as individuals we do wrong things against God's word. And believing that Jesus has paid the price for our wrongdoing. That's repentance. And as repentant Christians, we are now free. Free to live a life in love towards God 
and love towards our neighbor. We're free to not be caught up in the craziness of the world, but to trust in the God who has overcome the world. We're free not to murder with our actions or with our thoughts or our words, but instead to love the people around us as Christ first loved us and cared for us. We're free not to steal, whether it be physically taking something or burning it down in a riot. We're free to protect and defend our neighbor's possessions and income because God cares for all. We're free to speak well of people, not to drag them down, not to belittle them, to show the compassion of our Lord and Savior, Christ. We're free to live as Christians. We're free to be repentant. Barnabas and Paul went out and preached repentance. The church continues that today. Repent. Believe the gospel. Repent. You have been saved by the love of God and Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.